Well, good morning, Brave Church. So glad to have you here joining us in person, of course, and online as well. Thank you for being a part uh, of our service today and excited to jump into our talk, our second uh, talk on this series on frequency, which is all about uh, hearing God's voice. We know a lot of people uh, oftentimes struggle with that question, how do I know if God is speaking to me? And so uh, if you've ever wondered that question, this is the series uh, that you want to lean into and take notes on. And so we also have notes, of course, here in person, and we made them available online for you as well. Just go to our website. They're printable notes that you can download a PDF uh, right there on the website as well. You can follow along with us today. But before I jump into uh, the talk, I want to celebrate uh, some really good news, and um, I think with what's happening in the world, of course, good news is great right now, and so I'm sure we could all use some good news. So I want to share something with you, and this is a, a letter that is sent in uh, to one of our members here at our church, and uh, she sent this letter, and I asked her, I said, do you mind if I, if I read this? It's going to be broadcasted out uh, all over our nation from the states that some of you are watching from, and so I want to uh, share this awesome story that comes from uh, Aaliyah, and it says this. It says, Brave Staff, and she addresses the whole staff. She said, I just wanted to say thank you uh, for uh, pouring into me and accepting me from day one. I, have, uh, I found Brave, she says, at random by Google search and uh, never intended to stay, but she says that the authentic worship and challenging messages made me help, help me keep coming back. She said, over the past few years, I've struggled to stay in church, and I wanted, uh, or even wanted to be a Christian, but she said, then last year, uh, this last year with Brave, I've learned and grown in my faith and believe that God is still at work in ways that I had previously doubted. Right now, I am, uh, she says, job, I'm still jobless, but I believe, watch this, God is uh, trying to teach me something uh, through this time. This morning, I felt God say that I, and this was a, dated a couple of weeks back, uh, but I can't remember the date on here. I think it's a couple of weeks ago we got this or something, but uh, she says uh, something through this time. So she's jobless, but she believes God's trying to teach her something through this time. She said, I felt God say that I needed to start tithing before a new job became available. I know this isn't uh, much, and so this was submitted to our, our finance team, and then they sent me the letter. Uh, she says, but... It's a step in faith. I believe in the things that this church is doing, and I thank God for teaching and supporting me as I keep growing in my faith. And that's uh, signed by uh, Leah Fraser. She's uh, sung on our worship team for, uh, I think, over a year or so now. So uh, we're grateful for that. What an amazing thing. Can we just celebrate the story that God is doing through Leah? But I, I, thought, I, I thought this would be really cool uh, that if we just called Leah on the phone and so I'm going to give her a call, and I, I just thought we could just celebrate with her, you know, what God is doing. Since she maybe can't gather here today physically, we can at least connect with her over technology. So let's see if she, um, let's see if she answers. I don't know if you can hear this on my mic. Hey, this is Aaliyah. Hey, Aaliyah. How you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Cool. I, I know our production team, hopefully they can hear you too. Hopefully you can hear this online. Well, Aaliyah, welcome. Thank you for taking uh, the call, we're so glad to have you a part of our church and being broadcasted all over the United States to all the states that uh, people are watching from. So, hey, we just read your letter, and um, I think it's just fantastic story, and I wanted you to kind of uh, maybe tell the story to everybody, because, uh, of course, I read it from my iPhone, but, um, but I thought maybe you could just kind of tell it so they can hear it, too. Okay. found out in April that I was going to be losing my job, and uh, it came out of nowhere. I really wasn't expecting it. Um, and so normally I would have kind of freaked out and, you know, just really been like, you know, I can't believe God's letting this happen. But I kind of just rolled with the punch and accepted that this is what was happening. And I really believe that God was trying to teach me something through all of this. Um, and I just kept, you know, trusting that God was going to provide the right job. And uh, over the summer, as he's kind of been working on me, uh, one of the things that I really felt like he was impressing on me was that I needed to start tithing again. And uh, I hadn't regularly tithed in a while, and definitely not within the last three to five years. And uh, so I kept, you know, kind of ignoring it. And so one Sunday morning when I was watching, watching the church service, um, I just kind of felt that, like, hey, stop what you're doing and go write a check. 
And so I was like, well, you know, I'm almost out of paychecks. I can, I guess I can afford 20 bucks. So, um, he, you know, he was like, no, 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 that's not good enough. And so I kept, kept listening. And finally he and I settled on a number of what I could actually write a check for. And so in starting to mail it, I felt that I needed to write a letter and just, uh, tell the church staff, thank you, um, for everything they've done. Um, and the people that were pouring into my life and, uh, and so I've mailed the check with the letter and literally the next day I actually got a phone call for a job interview, um, which was something that I really hadn't had throughout the whole summer. And, uh, after, you know, I, end, I didn't end up getting that job, but it was just such a good reassurance that God was still faithful and that in following what he wanted me to do, um, he was going to provide. Man, that is so good. Can we just celebrate the story of God and, um, Leah, I think it's so cool just, you know, uh, so many people, uh, of course, you being, you know, jobless and that's happening, um, you know, and then just the perspective to still think, well, God is teaching me something here. And uh, man, we just commend you for being obedient. And I, I know that it's not always easy to obey and step out in faith and trust God. It's not always easy. But uh, I'm so proud of you for doing that. That's fantastic. And I want to pray for you, if that's okay with you, just that you would find uh, the right job. Have, you haven't found a job yet, or have you? I've been offered a job uh, through the school district um, that I'm, I think might be the right one, but I'm still not sure because it's about an hour away. Gotcha. Well, let's, let's, um, let's pray that God would give you clarity and that God would speak to you uh, on, on the clarity of the job that you need to have. And so let's also, too, pray for all of you uh, watching online. And we're going to pray together if you're searching for a job or just an answer that God would also, uh, you know, give you that answer, the things that you need to do. So, hey, Aaliyah, let me pray for you real quick. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the word. Lord, I'm also thankful that you just uh, put it even in on Aaliyah's heart to even write this letter so that we could even share it today. She didn't know it then that when you told her to write it and send it in, she didn't know that it would be broadcasted by this in this way. And so I pray that whoever's, uh, whoever's encouraged by the story today, Lord, whoever's challenged by the story today, Father, that you would speak to their heart, Lord. Father, I also pray that you would uh, provide Leah with the right job at the right time. And if this uh, new job opportunity is the one, Lord, we do pray that you would make it so clear to Aaliyah that you would uh, make her path straight and that you would clearly speak, Lord, as you've spoken before. Uh, Jesus, we're so thankful that you're the provider, the provisionary of all things. Thank you, God, for uh, pushing us to step out in faith, which is ultimately a push to trust you more. So, Lord, our trust is in you forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, Leah, thank you so much for taking the call. Now you can enjoy uh, the rest of your day. But thank you, Leah. Appreciate it. Yeah, All right. Take care. Bye. Isn't that awesome, church? Uh, so good. Uh, so thank you for allowing me uh, to take a moment to call Leah. She plays on our worship team. We're thankful for her, of course, being a part of our church and just sharing a little bit what God is doing in our life. Can't you use some good news? Isn't good news great news? Uh, I felt like the Lord's just saying, don't forget God is still good. Even when things around and circumstances seem dark and dim, God is still the light to the world. He is still a good God. He's still good. All right, well, today, Frequency Part 2, the title of today's message is Ears to Hear, Ears to Hear. Uh, today, we're continuing this teaching series on learning to hear God's voice, and we said last week that we are all designed to hear God, and so, in other words, hearing God's voice is not a weird thing, It's right? It's a thing we're, we're created, we're designed to hear God's voice. We're created to hear Him, but the problem is, if you want to hear God's voice, then you must know His Word, because if you don't know His Word, you won't know His voice. Jesus knew his father's voice, of course, because he was the word, but he knew his father, so he knew the word. In fact, three times in Matthew 4, when he's tempted by Satan, he says these famous words, three words. It was the title of last week's message, which was, it is written. He's re referencing, of course, what is written in the word of God. And so it was, tells us clearly that Jesus himself knew what was written, and he depended on what was written to get him through those hard or difficult seasons in his life. And so we challenged you to say the same thing. When you want to hear God's voice, just ask yourself the question, well, what is written in the Word of God about that particular issue? So if you're trying to hear God about a financial thing, what does God's Word say about financial things? 
if you're trying to hear God's word about a marriage, what does God's word say about marriage? If you're trying to figure out, you know, how do you manage a department? What do you do? Do you make a move, not make a move? Do you take that opportunity, not take that opportunity? Well, what does the Word of God say about certain opportunities to take and how to tell the difference? Uh, what does Proverbs say? What's, what does wisdom tell you? That's what the book of Proverbs is all about. And just asking yourself the question, if you want to hear God speak to you, well, then just begin with the written Word of God and then ask yourself the question, well, what is written about the thing that you need to hear God about? And so that was all about part one, all right? So today in part two, ears to hear, we're going to be studying from a passage of Matthew 13, uh, verses 1 through 23 is where we're going to be studying today. So if you have your Bible, you can pull that out right where you are. We're going to go through this together, all right? Here's where we start off. Matthew uh, 13, verse 1, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. We're going to be unpacking this word parables a little bit later on today. goes on to say, and here's the parable he tells. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and they ate it. And then he said, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, so it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. That was the problem. They didn't have any root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, and it choked the plants. Still other seed, though, did fall on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, a sixty, a thirty times that which was sown. Then in verse 9, Jesus finishes his parable with a really important statement that we're unpacking today. And here's what he says in verse 9. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So if you're watching online, if you're here in person, say it with me. Just say, whoever has ears, let them hear. Hey, do one more online. These guys are it's like 100% participation level in here. It's like amazing. It's like so loud. You can't even hear it so loud. But here it is. Ready? All right, online, everybody together say, whoever has ears... Let them hear. Right, this is a, a fantastic statement by Jesus, and this is where we're going to spend our time today unpacking this statement. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This statement we find all through the Gospels. Of course, as a church collectively, right now we're reading through the Gospels in 40 days. Uh, we started in the book of Mark today, Mark 1, 2, and 3. Uh, you can find that reading plan on our website, so follow along in the book of God as we read through the Gospels as a church. But there's this statement that Jesus says multiple times in Matthew eleven fifteen, Matthew thirteen ten through fifteen, Mark four nine, Mark four twenty three, Luke eight eight, Luke fourteen thirty five, and then a similar phrase is found in the book of Revelation in each of the seven letters written to the churches, and it's written this way: Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's in Revelation two seven, verse eleven, verse seventeen. Revelation 29, uh, sorry, 2.29, then chapter 3, verse 6, 13, 22, Revelation 13, 9. So all through Scripture in the New Testament, this statement is made, whoever has ears, let them hear. And the statement that it said in Revelation 13.9, it's immediately following a description of the Antichrist. When we read, whoever has ears, let them hear. Really important statement that Jesus makes here in Matthew 13. And so today, this is where I want us to focus on this phrase, just really unpacking what this statement actually means. And so following Jesus' parable, some of his disciples asked a really interesting question. They don't ask, what does this parable mean? Watch what they say to Jesus in response to his story. They say, the disciples came to him and they said, well, why do you speak to people in parables? Which is really interesting. He tells the story. They're kind of looking at one another and they say, well, why, why do you speak in parables? They don't even try to unpack the parable itself immediately. They just talked about why do you even speak in parables. Well, the Greek word for parable is spelled P-A-R-A-B-O-L-E, okay? And it's, it's this parable, this idea is, is, here's how it's defined. If you have notes, you could write this in. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's the best explanation I can give to you on what a parable is. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So they ask them, why do you speak in this way? Why do you speak about earthly stories and earthly stories in ways that we can understand, but, but they have these deep heavenly meanings? Why do you speak that way? Why do you talk that way? Why do you tell these stories? Well, the best way that I can illustrate this to you 
uh, is about a toy that I played with when I was growing up that maybe, uh, that maybe you grew up with and, and you love today, or maybe even today still kids could play with this toy. We have one in our house. They're awesome. When I was a kid, one of my favorite toys growing up was the Light Bright. Anybody had the Light Bright as a kid? It was just this awesome toy. Of course, you could put the, the pictures on it, you know, and then it had little holes, and you could just put the little kind of uh, pegs, I guess, if you would call them, into the little things, and you kind of follow this kind of connect the dot thing and kind of a tracing. It was really good for kids like me who couldn't draw well, and, uh, and so it's really cool. So you put this whole thing together, and then the really cool part was you'd rip the paper off and you'd see the image, but it got even more cool when you turned off the lights, you plug it in or whatever, and the light shines, and it just reveals the, the colors of the picture and how it's all designed. It just was really cool. Just couldn't wait for it to glow in the dark. There's something about glowing in the dark and being a kid. It was just so cool. It glows in the dark. Awesome. We got to buy it. Pajamas glow in the dark. Sheets glow in the dark. It was just, it was, that's how it was. It was. Glow in the dark's awesome. All right. So the picture, though, this is a really interesting part, was not a surprise in of itself because I knew what the picture was going to be because I had been carefully working on it the whole time. So I knew what it would be. I knew what the picture would reveal. But once it was illuminated by the light, it took on a whole new image. You see, parables are stories meant to illustrate or illuminate a truth that has already been revealed in your mind. In other words, because you've been studying the truth so much, because you've been working on the picture so much, so I hope you can see the parallel here, that because you've been so immersed in it, when Jesus shows up to tear a par- tell a, a parable, all he's illuminating is the truth that's already inside of you, and it becomes that much brighter. The only problem was that some of the people in the audience didn't know the truth. And so whenever he spoke this way, which was meant to illuminate the light that was already inside, because they didn't have the light already inside, because they didn't know the truth, whenever he spoke in parables, it didn't make any sense to them, and so they didn't understand it. In other words, because they didn't understand heavenly matters. If they don't study heavenly things, they won't understand heavenly uh, conversations, spiritual things. If you don't study spiritual things, you won't understand spiritual things. In fact, Jesus says it this way in John chapter 3. He says, I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. Well, then how will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Jesus is simply saying, although I'm illuminating heavenly truth in a parable, I'm, I'm illuminating it, I'm showing this to you, there's still people who won't see the picture. This tells us that some people don't see the truth. So the question remains, why do you speak in the way that some people don't understand? And when we study this passage today, it's actually very uh, loving, very caring of why God spoke in parables. The question, why do you speak in parables? Whoever has ears, let them hear. Why do you speak in parables? Why would you speak in such a way that some people don't understand? When we find this answer today, it's going to reveal a lot about the heart of God. So Jesus has asked this question. Why do you speak in parables? And the good news is Jesus wants to give the answer. And here's what he says. He replies back, well, I'll start to tell you why I speak in parables. Whoever has ears, let him hear. I'm going to tell you why I speak in parables. I'm going to tell you why I talk about earthly things that have to do with heavenly matters. Here's why I do that. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. All right? Kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. There's some that hear this and there's some that don't. Whoever has will be given more. That's a very interesting statement. And they will have an abundance. Whoever has will be given more and they'll have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have, look at this. Do you remember the parable? What happens to the seed that falls on rocky soil? It was snatched away by Satan. He says, even what they have, the word that was sown, will be taken from them. He's unpacking this parable and helping them learn this lesson of it. The the idea here is that those who are open and sensitive to spiritual truth, more will be given through the parables. Yet to those who are not open to spiritual truth, who do not have the truth, these ones will end up in even worse condition. I want you to think about it this way. If you've read 
uh, the scriptures, uh, any part of your life. Maybe you've been in, in church a long time, you've been worshiping God a long time, reading your Bible all the time, then you know this, you know this. You know that when you first read a certain verse, in your maybe this is true for many of us. You read a verse once and it meant something. It was like, wow, that verse speaks to me. Oh, my gosh, I didn't see that. And the kind of light bulb goes off. It's like, man, I just see that truth now. And then a couple of years later, I find this to be true in my life all the time. You read the same verse again, and it doesn't change meaning, but it just like grows in meaning. It just keeps like growing. You just keep getting more and more and more and more out of it. So the more you seek him, the more you find him. And Jesus is saying, see, the people where it's not hidden from, they keep seeking me, more is revealed to them. And every time they seek me, they find more of me inside of my word. So when Jesus spoke in parables, he really meant uh, for it to flash into the men's minds and to illuminate the truth of God, just to illuminate what was already in their heart, just to bring more life to it. But yet some eyes he saw were so dull of incomprehension that they just refused to see the truth. He saw many people blinded by their own selfish ambition or they were simply too lazy to seek the truth. So they were blinded by it. So he turns to his disciples and he says, listen, don't you remember what Isaiah said? In other words, you've been studying Isaiah, right? You, you know what Isaiah said. And now let me illuminate more truth to you, just like the light bright. You, you've been working on this picture, so you, you should know. And now let me turn on the light so you can see what you've been studying this whole time. So let's go back to Isaiah, and let's remember what Isaiah said. This is what Jesus is saying to his audience. Let's go back to Isaiah 6. You guys know what 9 and 10 says, right? Like everybody here just said yes. Of course, they all know what it says. So at home, you remember what Isaiah 6, 9, and 10 say, don't you? Like, you study that. Yeah, it's like a lot. You've been working on that picture uh, all, all year long. You know what Isaiah 6, 9 says. This is the context of which Jesus is speaking to his audience. So here's what Isaiah 6, 9 says. Jesus quotes it, and he goes on to say this in Isaiah 6, uh, verse 9. He says this. It says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Well, here's what he says. Hey, I'm speaking in parables in order to fulfill what Isaiah wrote about 700 years ago. If you want to know why I'm speaking in parables, it's part because that's what Isaiah said that I was going to do, and I've got to fulfill the Scripture. So that's why I speak in parables. Okay, then he says, now here's the deal. I've got to fulfill this prophecy, and you guys remember what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, you will ever be hearing, but never understanding. You'll ever be seeing, but never perceiving. For this is the people's heart. They have become so calloused, Isaiah is saying. People's heart have become so hard, they hardly hear with their ears. Their hearts are so calloused, they don't even hear so well. They don't hear. And they have closed their eyes. This is what Isaiah is writing. Otherwise, or otherwise, if they were really, if they had ears to hear, if they had eyes to see, otherwise they might see with their eyes, they would hear with their ears, and they would understand with their hearts. And then he makes this really big statement. We'll unpack it a little bit later on. And they would turn. And these people would turn. I mean, if, if their eyes were open, if their ears were open, they would turn. And I would heal them. I'm trying to heal them. But because they don't have ears to hear and eyes to see, and they've hardened their hearts, and they've closed their eyes, and they've turned, they're, they're not turning to me. And so because they're not turning to me, I can't do the miracle in them that I'm trying to do this whole time. Because they're closing their eyes to what I want to do through them. Now let me just unpack Isaiah's feeling here. It was Isaiah's feeling that he is preaching uh, that his preaching was actually doing more harm than good. That he might as well be speaking to a brick wall. Many parents can understand what that might feel like, or even bosses can understand what Isaiah is talking about there. Speaking like you're talking to a brick wall, no one's listening. That there was no way into the mind and the heart of this deaf and blind people that as far as any effects went, they seemed to be getting worse instead of getting better. Again, that is the experience of every teacher and preacher at some point I have found in my life too. That there are times when those whom we seek to win seem, in spite of all of our efforts, to be getting further and further away and never nearer to the Christian way. 
Our words go whistling down when our message meets the impenetrable barrier of men's indifference, and the result of all of our work seems less than nothing, for at the end of it, men seem further away from God than they were all at the beginning. I remember in student ministry for almost a decade, I, I saw this to be true. You, you would preach, and you would teach, and you would talk, and you would try to help and build up, and then it just felt like it never did any good. Many leaders understand that in many different realms of different, uh, you know, walks of life or paths of life where you're, you're, you're doing all you can for people to get it, but they just don't seem to get it. This is where Isaiah's mind was when he writes this. It's also important to note the tone in which Jesus spoke this parable. One commentator wrote this about Jesus in regards to his heart towards this parable, and I think it's fascinating. I think it's so true. We'll put it up on the screen. When Jesus said this, he did not say it in anger or irritation or bitterness or exasperation. Oh, I mean, some of you are awesome people. Some of you are just terrible, you know. This is, some of you are really good listeners, and some of you are really bad listeners. I'm just your terrible, bad listeners, you know. No, no, no. He says, just hear the heart, hear the tone. He says, no. He said it with wistful longing of frustrated love, the poignant sorrow of a man who had tremendous gift to give. He had a gift to give, but people were too blind to take it. And it broke his heart, wrecked him. Imagine Jesus telling the, the parable something like this. It was a sower. He went out. He, he preached. He sowed seed. He opened up the Bible and he spoke the truth of my Father in heaven. And yet some people just refused to hear it. Some people... And they heard it for a little while, but then they let all the carries of this world just drown it out. And they refused the gift that I'm here to bring them. Some people, though, they heard it, and they received it, and they followed it. And they got 30, 60, 100 times that what they put into it. You see, when you say it that way, all of a sudden it takes on a whole new meaning. Jesus' heart is being revealed here. And it's in part to answer the question about why he speaks in parables. For years I read this passage and preached on it and never thought about the tone of his heart as he spoke this earthly story that carried this heavenly meaning. It was revealing his Father's heart towards those who had refused to listen to his word. You see, if we read this, hearing not a tone of bitter exasperation, but a tone of regretful love, it'll sound quite different. It will not tell us of a God who deliberately blinded men and hid his truth. That's not what parables did. But men who were, but of men who were so lacked in the interest of the word of God that it seemed no use even for God himself, Jesus in the flesh, to try to penetrate the iron curtain of their lazy incomprehension. In other words, it was like Jesus was speaking to this audience, and yet Jesus himself, God himself in flesh on earth, couldn't even penetrate their heart because their hearts were so hardened to him. And I pray to God that he would save us from hearing like that, that we would not live in a way that we would treat his word as an irrelevant history book but that we would see it for what it is, words that give eternal life to our souls, words that breathe in hope when we are in despair, words that bring joy when we have no peace, and words that bring truth when we don't know what the truth really is. I wonder how many people just view the Word of God as irrelevant, just completely irrelevant. It makes no difference. If I read a devotion a day, I got in good, and I just move on about my day. But really not taking any form in the heart change. These people had no eyes to see and no ears to hear. And the reason was because they refused to turn their hearts over to God. I told you a moment ago that I would unpack that word, to turn. In verse 15, the word turn, in the Greek word, it's spelt 
E-P-I-S-T-R-E-P-H-O, epastrefo, and it means this, to cause to return or to bring back to the love, now watch this, and obedience of God. So to turn was not just to do like a 180, it was to turn. And to turn actually meant that you would stop disobeying and start obeying. It was about obedience. If you would, go back to verse 15, if you could find it uh, for just a moment, if you can, put that back up for us. And let's read Isaiah's context, Isaiah 6, 9, and 10 from this, and Jesus is quoting this. You will ever be hearing but never understanding. You will ever be seeing but never perceiving. This is what people do. For this people's heart, they become calloused. Whose heart? Like, how do you know the people who've become calloused? They hardly hear with their ears. They can't hear with their ears. They don't understand the spiritual truths that I'm speaking. And they have closed their eyes to it. They refuse to see it as relevant. It's not important. It, it doesn't matter. Otherwise, if they really saw the truth, if they knew the truth, that they had ears to hear, here's what they would do. They would see with their eyes. They would hear with their ears. They would understand. And they would obey me. You see, the separation becomes about obedience. These people would obey me. And when you obey me, I work miracles in your life. When you obey me, I can set your heart free. When you obey me, I can do the financial breakthrough in your life that you didn't see coming, but you've got to turn. You've got to epostefo. You've got to turn and obey me. In fact, a better way of understanding would be you've got to turn and worship the one true living God. If you turn and you just worship the one true living God, I can finally heal the marriage. I could finally heal uh, your heart. I could heal your mind. I could heal the bitterness. I could heal the brokenness. I could heal the envy. I could heal the jealousy. Only if you would first turn or obey me. If you could do that, I could work a miracle in your life. But these people refuse to do that. Well, Jesus goes on to say the rewards of those who actually do have eyes to see and ears to hear. And here's what he says in verse 16. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And he's talking to his disciples. You follow me. You do what I say. My, my people follow me. You're doing what I'm saying to do. And because you hear, that's good. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they couldn't see it. There's a lot of righteous people, a lot of people, a lot of people showing up to church, a lot of people. Oh, these are people. They could put Christian in their social media stuff, and, and they wear Christian T-shirts, and they got Christian bumper stickers. I mean, you should see it. It's pretty cool. They got a great marketing thing going on. Now, these are great righteous people, and they long to see what you see, but they couldn't see it. And they can't hear what you hear. Now, now, why? What, what separates that? See, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. They want to hear it. They want to see it, but they don't get the fulfillment of it. You say, what separates the two people? Why are some hearing it and they have eyes to see and ears to hear? And even some, they want it badly, but they still don't see it or hear it. Why? What separates the two groups of people? One commentator wrote this. Here's what Jesus is essentially doing. I'll answer the question in just a minute. One commentator wrote this. Here Jesus puts the responsibility on the individual. The parable, the parable, just a parable, reveals truth to him who desires truth, and it conceals truth from those who do not wish to see the truth. That's what a parable does. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Well, some get it, some don't. Those who... Take the responsibility to desire truth, except for those who don't wish to really see the truth, and it just hides it from them because they don't seek it. Jesus knew what we all know, that there are some things a person cannot be told they must discover for themselves. And every parent watching, every parent in the room said, amen, right? Amen. A amen or amen. Amen? Amen. Okay, Amen. Now, say, think of what it's saying. Hey, here, here's what we know. You just answer my question now that we know this. You know this. I know this. All of us know this. Isn't there some things that you just can't tell people? They just got to figure it out for themselves. 
You know, have you ever just told somebody something, you know? Of course you have. You told somebody something, you got, hey, you got to do this, you got to check that, you got to stop that, you can't touch that, okay? And then you're like, you know what? Just let them figure it out for themselves. I said to my kids, uh, it's probably one of my number one go-to parenting thing. It could be a bad parenting thing, but that's just kind of what I do as a parent. I, I can't tell you how many times that day I say, just let them figure it out. He'll find out, you know, kids are crawling on stuff or jumping off furniture. I mean, all the parents can relate. We all understand that, okay? We understand that too. Just if you don't, if you don't have kids, that, that's fine. You understand this truth that there are some things you just had to learn by experience. There are some things you just can't be told the truth. You kind of have to experience this truth. In fact, one writer in the 1800s named Walter Pater said this, you cannot tell a man the truth. You can only put him in a position in which he can discover it for himself. Isn't that so true? You know, saying, hey, there's just a point. Listen, we could sit here and talk about this. I mean, you could listen to sermons. and you could go, But there's a point. You could show up to church your whole life and still miss the whole picture that God is trying to illuminate through you and to you. Why? Why? Because... Because you don't know what this says. I want to say this. So many people for so long, we've become so dependent on people like me, pastors or leaders and great teachers. I'm not saying I'm a great teacher. I'm just saying there's other great teachers. I'm just saying, you know, so dependent on someone else feeding me God's word that that I I don't understand it, but they do. So let me take you to somebody who does because I don't. And you've been serving God for 15 years and you still don't, you just don't know how to feed yourself. Well, Paul would say, it's like you should be further along than this by now. And and what, what Jesus is essentially saying is that, listen, there's a point. I can't tell you this stuff. So I'm going to talk in a parable. Watch this. I'm going to speak in a way that conceals the truth to those who don't seek the truth, but it reveals the truth to those who seek the truth. And when you seek the truth, you're going to find the truth 30, 60, and even 100 times. When you keep reading this, man, it's going to be like, gosh, this is so good. You know, sometimes I read my Bible and I'm like, huh? Sometimes I'm in my room, and my, my, my wife, she, kinda, she knows where I'm having my moment now. I've been married for uh, 12 years, and, and so she knows, but, but I'm in my room, and I'll be clapping. I'm like having church by myself. I'm like, Jesus, and, and I'm in my room literally clapping, and I'm by myself because God has given revelation to me, a new way of seeing it. And I remember these moments happen. It's just 30 times and 60 times and even 100 times. You say, well, how do you get so passionate about the Word? And here's what I'm telling you. If you just read this Word, you can't help but to get so passionate about this Word. It's an amazing thing. You said that, that's, that's what happens with some people. They seek the truth. They find the truth. But some people, they don't seek the truth, so they don't see it. They don't see spiritual things because they don't pursue spiritual matters. In other words, unless we discover the truth for ourselves, it remains a second-handed external thing. And further, unless we discover the truth for ourselves, we will almost certainly forget it quickly. You forget it because it wasn't ingrained inside of you. And this becomes the revelation of why Jesus spoke in parables. So the parable, by compelling a man to draw his own conclusions and to do his own thinking at the same time makes the truth real to him and fixes it in his memory. So a parable was a strategy play for Jesus. If I could speak to you in a way about earthly things that actually reveal heavenly things, only the people who are pursuing heavenly things will understand it. And as they begin to understand it, it'll begin to reveal more and more and more to them because who, those who receive more get more and it just keeps kind of pouring over 30, 60, 100 times. It's amazing teaching that Jesus is saying. That's why I speak in parables. So the reason Jesus spoke in parables was not to conceal the truth, but to reveal the truth. So Jesus helps his disciples out because he's such a good teacher. And he's like, let me give you guys a break. Let me help you guys out with this. Fill in the blank. So here's the fill in the blank notes. Here's what he says. Listen. To the parable of what the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and he snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word, ears to hear. Notice all these people hear the word. He's referencing verse 9, whoever has ears, let them hear. What does that mean? Why do you speak in parables? Let me tell you another earthly story with the heavenly meaning. You see, some people hear the word of God, and they don't understand it. The evil one comes, 
And he snatches away what was sown in their heart, the seed sown along the path. Verse 20. Then there's seed that falls on rocky ground, which refers to someone who hears the word at once, and they receive it with joy. This whole parable is not about evangelism, although evangelism can be applied to it. This whole parable is about the people who have ears to hear and those who don't. Verse 21, but since they had no root, they only lasted a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Let me just pause there for just a second. So there's these people, and they hear the word. And then they, they trouble, trouble, persecution comes. And they fall away. And it's like there's this issue. They, they don't have any root. And then it goes on to say uh, about the seed falling among the thorns. refers to someone who hears the word. They heard the word too. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word out. Making it, key word, unfruitful. Unfruitful. I think it's possible for us to consider. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's somebody here. Maybe it's somebody watching. Just consider for this minute how many people. I don't know the number to this. But I certainly would say it's plausible for sure. That there are people who've sat in services, watched church services, read the Bibles maybe even, been small groups, volunteered. But since this whole thing has begun... Jesus has taken a back seat because Sundays took a back seat. All of a sudden, you don't have the Sunday, and now you're like, where's Jesus at? And you're so dependent on a Sunday that you neglected a Monday through Saturday. And you forgot what was being taught on Sunday. Because what was being taught on Sunday was to help you Monday through Saturday. And so what happened? The, the word was sown, but because you didn't have your own roots, you didn't do your own digging, you didn't do your own seeking, it's fallen away. And I think now more than ever, this is probably being revealed to us as the body of Christ, who are the people who were good soil, people that seek the truth, know the truth, Desire it, pursue it, and those who didn't. And Jesus would say, yep, that's what this season certainly reveals. The season we're in today. I know many people, I know this, it's happening. Church attendance all around is dropping. In many ways, but in some ways it's rising. Where people are clinging to hope, people are looking for new answers. But for many it's like, well, we'll get back to Jesus when we get back to church. And my prayer is that's not you today. My prayer is that you would encourage somebody who maybe has, it's one of those. It's just like, get back to church, then I get back to Jesus. No. Jesus hasn't left. Man, maybe the look of the whole church thing has changed, but the mission is the same. The mission doesn't change, and the mission doesn't change for our church at Brave. It doesn't change. It may look different. But the mission is the same, to make disciples of all the nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It doesn't change. We're still called to reach the world for Christ, that every single nation, every, every part of the earth would know the good news of Jesus Christ. The mission is the same. And then verse 23 says, but there's seed that falls on good soil and refers to someone who hears the word and they understand it. And this is the one that produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times that which was sown. So Jesus tells us what the difference is between those who have ears to hear and those who have eyes to see. Here's the difference of those who hear God's word, those who don't hear God's word. When he says, have ears to hear, this is my heart. You can hear Jesus cry it out, have ears to hear. What separates the two? Why do you speak in parables? What's this all about? Because I want to talk to the people that are pursuing the truth of God. And it's going to be concealed by those. And my hope is just to inspire, to spark a thought that somebody goes and searches it for themselves. And if they search it for themselves, they'll find me. And when they find me, they'll find more of me. And then they find more of me, and they find more of me. And then they get to know me. The goal, listen to this, the goal of listening to God's voice, this is all about hearing God's voice. The goal of listening to God's voice is not that you hear it, rather you do something with what you heard. We want to hear God. 
No, no, that's the wrong question. Are you ready to do what God says to do? That's a better question. Many come to me and say, how do I hear God's voice? My response should be from now on. It really should. Hey, well, before you ask God to speak, are you ready to do what he says to do? Yet so, we must know his word to know his voice. That's true. But even if we hear him, don't do something with what we heard, then we're no different than the one who heard the word, which is only be snatched away by Satan, or the one who heard the word, but because there was no root, only listened to it for a short time. We began to give only when we were getting blessed. You gave for a short time. You worshiped for a short time. You know, you served for a short time. All forgetting the word. It only lasted for a short time. Or those that heard the word, but the worries and deceitfulness of wealth choked the word out. Worry has beating you down. Anxiety is beating you down, and you've forgotten the word. That the joy of, of the Lord is your strength. You've forgotten the, the word of truth that God comes and he saves humanity and he saves the soul and that the body, see, the body is perishing but the soul goes on forever and you know you neglected the truth of everything you've been taught and it's just the worries are just pounding you in life and you're neglecting the truth and it's being choked out. By the way, choking is not a sudden death. It's a slow process. And for many people, the word that was sown into you over many years, great teachers and pastors and people put in your life to teach you and lead you, and it's been choked out slowly, slowly, until you tap. Yep, this happens, Jesus says. This passage is not only about how we should throw seed and preach the gospel to the world, and yes, we should do that. That's not what this passage of Scripture is solely all about. Knowing that some will fall on good soil and some will fall on bad soil. But just keep throwing seed out. But it's also a teaching of those who have ears to hear and those who don't. And that is revealed to us when we understand the word used for hear. It's the Greek word akio, A-K-O-U-O. It's a verb meaning to hear in various senses. One of those senses being hearing as an act. As an action, as a verb, okay? Act of being informed and another being hearing as an act of learning. So I want you to think about hearing now as an act of learning. There's no different, this is no different when a parent says, have you ever said this as, as parents listening? We're almost done listening, listening. Parents, have you ever said this? Or, or boss, maybe if you're a boss, your manager, you ever said, pay attention to what I'm saying. Like write this down, like pay attention. You ever said that? And, and you don't really know they paid attention until what? So they've done what you said they're going to do. You say, no, you're not paying attention. No, I am paying attention. I'm looking at you. You say, no, 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 no. You're looking at me, but you're not paying attention. I am paying attention. I heard what you said. I can repeat what you said. No, no, no. You're not paying attention because you're listening to what I said. You can repeat what I said, but you're not doing what I said. And, I, and I'll know you're paying attention when you do what I said. This is essentially what Jesus is saying in the parable. Those who have ears to hear. Those who, those who pay attention to what I say. You say, well, I've been sitting in church. I've been applauding, been clapping, been taking notes. I'm paying attention. But Jesus says, no, you're not paying attention. No, Jesus, I heard you. In fact, I can quote John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He gives only God's Son. Whoever believes in him not perish everlasting life. Yeah, yeah, I, I got you. I heard you. No, no, you're not paying attention. Because you're not sharing that with people. You're not doing what I'm saying to do. See the difference? You're not paying attention. You're not doing what God's word says to do. Ultimately, the word akio means and it implicates to give heed or to obey. Therefore, we could say this, to truly hear God's voice means to heed God's voice. To hear is to listen, to listen is to learn, and to learn is to obey. And there were many who had heard his voice but didn't do anything with it. So they never gained what the words were intended to do. They didn't reap the rewards of the words. There are rewards when you listen to God's words 30, 60, and even 100 times. If you want to hear God's voice, listen to me. If you want to hear God's voice, final thought, if you want to hear God's voice, begin to heed God's word. If you want to hear God's voice, you say, well, how do I hear God? Just begin to do what God's word says to do, and then his voice will be revealed to you. Jeremiah 29, 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. It's a promise from God, not from me. If you look for me, you'll find me. Just search for me, you'll find me. You knock on my door, it'll be open. You'll know me. And I promise you that if you begin to obey God's word, you will hear his voice. You've got to know the word to know his voice. 
then you also have to obey his word to hear his voice. And if you first begin to do those things, you'll begin to learn his voice more and more. If you put into practice, you will hear his voice more and more and more clearly. Remember, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. My encouragement today is if you want to hear God's voice, that you would heed God's word. I close out with this thought. Matthew 28, Jesus said, go make disciples of all the nations. It's a great command, but what follows that is even more important. He says, now go and teach them to obey, just as I have taught you. Teach them to obey all my commands. That means the purpose of the church is to go make disciples of all the nation, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't say go baptize people. That's the Great Commission. Go save people. That's the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to go baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, period. Oh, verse, next verse. Teach them to obey all the commands that I've taught you. So obey. If you want to hear God's voice, begin to obey his words. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word today. Lord, thank you for coming and sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Lord, and I pray for every person watching, every disciple watching, every follower of you watching, Lord, that they would be encouraged by your spirit to obey the word that you've put in their heart, to set aside their flesh and to hear you, Jesus, and then to follow it. Maybe today you want to come to know this God come to know Jesus. Maybe there's, you're just going, I just want some more information. You have lots of questions about who Jesus is. What does it mean? Maybe you went to different churches as a kid. You're just still trying to figure that whole thing out. If that is you and you're listening in online right where you are, my encouragement is to take one step of faith. Fill out a connection card. Type right there in the chat room where it says connect and just say, I want to find out more about Jesus. And we'll have somebody call you or walk you through that step. If you're here in person, you can fill that out. Drop it in one of the bins on the way out and just say, I want to learn more about Jesus. I want to have somebody walk me through what does it mean to even be a Christ follower. We want to walk uh, through you, with that through you in life and do whatever we can to help support you in that way. But I just want you to know, if you want to give your life to Jesus, it's going to cost you everything. Discipleship's going to cost you your life. You're going to have to sell your life in a sense that it's God, whatever you want to do through me. But I can promise you it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Jesus, we thank you for saving our souls. We thank you for going across and dying for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.